From Liangjiahe, a village on the barren lowest plateau in northwest China, to Zhongnanhai, the center of China's top leadership in Beijing. Xi Jinping has served in various posts at different levels of the government across China, starting in his early years as a junior village official to governing as China's top leader. What's he like as an individual and as a leader? How have his work experiences from earlier decades been influencing his leadership as the national leader? What are some of the core principles that have guided his decisions and actions? I consider myself a relatively hard-working person. I know very well that people's biggest concerns are education, employment, income. We can't pursue development through destructive methods, depleting the legacies from our ancestors while exhausting the options for our future generations. The Stories of Xi Jinping podcast series shares the life and work experiences of Xi Jinping and explores the formation of his governing principles, philosophy, beliefs, among others. Getting to know Xi's thoughts on national governance and how his leadership took shape may help you better understand China's path, governance and principles. You can follow the Stories of Xi Jinping podcast series on all major podcast platforms. Examining the events that impact and shape China and the rest of the world. This is the Beijing Hour, one hour of news and information brought to you every weekday. Now here's your host. Shane Begum with you on this Friday, July 14th, 2023. You're listening to the Beijing Hour, coming to you live from the Chinese capital. On today's program, senior Chinese diplomat Wang Yi has been meeting with foreign ministers and other officials at the ASEAN meetings in Jakarta. Cyclists are taking to the streets at night across China as part of a trend that's sweeping the country. Sudan's six neighboring countries have held talks in Cairo regarding the conflict that's raged since mid-April. In business, China's central bank gives an update on the country's economy. In sports, the women's final matchup at Wimbledon is all set. In culture and entertainment, CMG launches a show highlighting Chinese folk music. Now the day's top stories. Indonesia's hosted the annual meeting of foreign ministers of the Association of Southeast Asian Nations. Senior Chinese diplomat Wang Yi's attended major events, including the China ASEAN Foreign Ministers Meeting and the ASEAN Plus Three Foreign Ministers Meeting. He's also held separate talks with several foreign ministers. Li Jingyi has the story. Senior Chinese diplomat Wang Yi says China and ASEAN are on the right path of common development, especially in promoting regional economic integration and safeguarding peace and stability. He made the remarks at the China-ASEAN Foreign Ministers Meeting on Thursday. Wang said China will further advance its comprehensive strategic partnership with ASEAN and bring new opportunities with Chinese-style modernization. Meanwhile, the ASEAN parties thanked China for taking the lead in signing the protocol to the Regional Nuclear Weapon Free Zone Treaty. Wang Yi also met with foreign ministers of several key ASEAN members and partners. During talks with U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken, Wang urged the U.S. to take concrete actions to bring relations back to the right track, including lifting unlawful and unreasonable sanctions against China. Wang Yi reaffirmed China's solemn position on the Taiwan question and demanded the U.S. to respect China's sovereignty and territorial integrity. The two diplomats also discussed Asia-Pacific issues and maritime affairs. 
At another sideline meeting, Wang Yi told Vietnamese Foreign Minister Bui Cheng San that China is willing to expand mutually beneficial cooperation with Vietnam. Both stressed the high-quality construction of the Belt and Road Initiative and their cooperative partnership. Meeting with Australian Foreign Minister Penny Wong, Wang Yi said the two countries should maintain current good momentum. He hopes Australia would provide a fair, non-discriminatory business environment for Chinese enterprises. Australia's Penny Wong said good relations are in the interest of both sides. At a meeting between Wang Yi and Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov, both sides stressed the mission to promote real multipolarity and great democracy in international relations. Wang said China is ready to work with Russia to support ASEAN centrality. Another big event for Wang Yi was the ASEAN Plus Three Foreign Ministers meeting, where he met with diplomats of ASEAN countries and Japan and South Korea. Wang put forward three proposals for. Their next stage of cooperation: the promotion of regional integration through RCEP, joint response to crises such as food insecurity, and the discharge of the Fukushima nuclear contaminated water, and encouragement on innovation for sustainable development. All parties emphasized regional connectivity and agreed to create new growth in fields such as digital economy, innovation, and energy transformation. That was Lee Jingyi reporting. And for more highlights during the ASEAN foreign ministers meetings in Jakarta, uh, Roberlin Purba has an update. The minister had dialogues on the ASEAN-Australia-New Zealand free trade agreement and further pushing for the trade agreement to happen. And still on trade, we also had China and ASEAN as well、uh, pushing ahead with talks on a third version of their own free trade agreement. Now, Norway,、uh, Indonesia, and ASEAN also have have met where previously they met to talk about the renewable energy、uh, cooperation on climate change and ocean sustainability and also blue economy.、Uh, the U.S.-ASEAN、uh, talks、uh, wrapped up and. U.S. Foreign Secretary Blinken said that they upgraded the U.S.-ASEAN relationship to a comprehensive strategic partnership last year, and are working hard to put the enhanced、uh, relationship to into concrete action together. Now, experts are telling us that the talks on the East Asia Summit focus is primarily on economic cooperation, as there are no potential conflicts there. And experts tell us that digitalized economy,、uh, green energy, and the maritime industry are focused in the East Asia Summit talks. Now, East. Asian countries will support、uh, ASEAN as the epicenter of growth,、uh, as experts are telling us, as it will benefit them by increasing demand for their technology and industrial goods and services, and of course, as Japan plans to dump radioactive nuclear waste. From the disaster-struck Fukushima plant, China is opposed to this plant and continues to urge ASEAN to be against it as well. Now, on the ASEAN regional forum,、uh, experts are expecting、uh, that although ASEAN is, put, is pushing for powers to agree to the treaty to keep Southeast Asia free from nuclear,、uh, but it's a, a long shot, as they say.、Uh, but ASEAN will still try to push、uh, this based on the regional security architecture of the ASEAN outlook on the Indo-Pacific. Now, the ASEAN regional forum still remains an important forum. To build a culture of dialogue, and this is a preferred method of talks、uh, than using the language of power politics. That was Roberlin Perla,、uh, Perba rather, reporting from Jakarta. Chinese Foreign Ministry says China and Germany share more consensus than divergence, and collaboration far outweighs rivalry. Spokesperson Wang Wenbin was responding to Germany's new strategy paper that calls for reducing economic dependency on China. He said any form of de-risking would only result in the politicization of normal cooperation. He also said drawing lines based on ideologies would only sow discord in an already divided world. The spokesperson urged Germany to see China's. 
development in a rational and pragmatic way, work together to address global challenges. Meanwhile, the Chinese embassy in Germany said that viewing China as a competitor and systemic rival does not accord with reality, nor does it benefit either side's interests. Trent Murray has more from Berlin. Not long after it was released, we uh, got a statement from uh, China's embassy. The embassy says that forcibly de-risking based on ideological prejudice and competition anxiety will only be counterproductive and artificially intensify risks. The embassy goes on to say that it hopes Germany views China's development rationally, comprehensively and objectively, and that many of the challenges facing Germany have not been caused by China. Now, one thing I will say is that there is very much an overarching theme in that strategy that even in their areas that are agreement or areas where there are disagreements that what is really fundamental is dialogue and communication and and making sure that those channels of communication remain firmly open between uh, Berlin and Beijing of course to avoid any sort of uh, misunderstandings or miscalculations on some of these key uh, geopolitical issues. That was Trent Murray reporting. A former U.N. Security Council president says that the United States should look to ditch its confrontational approach and work with China to build a cooperative world order. He says the U.S. should stop viewing China as a threat and strive to work together to solve global challenges rather than seeking confrontation. The United States is trying to protect its number one position by stopping China. That's an unwise thing to do. That it'd be wiser for the United States, instead of trying to stop China, to to work with China in creating a new cooperative world order, which benefits the United States and benefits China. Kishore Mabubani adds that the recent visits of uh, several senior U.S. officials to China sets a good tone for the improvement of bilateral ties. The International Monetary Fund says it welcomes recent talks between the U.S. and China aimed at patching relations. IMF spokesperson Julie Kozak says the recent economic talks between senior officials of the two countries uh, sends an upbeat signal to the global economy. We welcome the recent meetings between Secretary Yellen and top Chinese officials in Beijing. As we have said before, China, the United States and other major trading partners should continue to work together to address core issues that risk fragmenting the global trade and investment system. The recent economic talks between the U.S. and China will help forge ties, build common ground, and foster cooperation in areas that are vital to global investment and growth. Senior Chinese officials held meetings with U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen in Beijing last weekend. The talks have turned down the temperature of tense relations between the world's two largest economies. The IMF has pointed out that cooperation can lead to big gains in economic well-being globally. China's permanent representative to the UN's accused NATO of expanding its boundaries and provoking confrontation and slammed the alliance as the real troublemaker. NATO claims to be a regional organization, yet it's breaking its own geographic boundaries to push into the Asia-Pacific, undermining regional and global security. NATO claims to be a defensive alliance, yet it's encouraging members to increase spending, conducting military activities across the globe, overstepping and expanding boundaries, and provoking confrontation. NATO claims to defend rules-based international order, yet it repeatedly violates international laws and basic norms governing international relations. It has a reputation 
reputation for provoking wars, bombing diplomatic facilities, and killing civilians. Uh, Jung Jun also said that certain NATO members are pursuing double standards in promoting the nuclear sharing arrangement, which only exacerbates regional tensions. U.S. President Joe Biden's concluded his visit to Finland, but failed to address the latest NATO allies in security over fear of the U.S. domestic political uncertainty. During Biden's visit, peace organizers held demonstrations and marches near the Finnish parliament building and the presidential palace. The protesters held signs and chanted slogans, accusing the United States of fueling wars and demanding NATO cease its disruptive actions in Europe. Uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin has uh, said his country will not extend the Black Sea grain deal with Ukraine, which expires next Monday unless the West meets Russian demands. We may suspend our participation in a deal. And if they say once again that they fulfill the promises given to us, let them fulfill those promises. And then we will immediately rejoin the deal. Well, Putin adds that lifting Western sanctions on the Russian Agricultural Bank to allow it to use the SWIFT payment system was one of the Russian conditions. He says that uh, Moscow also demands lifting restrictions on shipping and insurance that have hampered Russian agricultural exports. Turkey and the UN negotiated the breakthrough accord last summer to ease a global food crisis. The pact came along with the separate agreement with Russia to facilitate shipments of its food and fertilizer. However, Moscow complains that the separate UN-Russia Memorandum on Facilitating Shipments of Russian Food and Fertilizer still faces serious obstacles. Ukrainian officials say Russia launched drone attacks on Kyiv for the third consecutive night. Officials in Kyiv say 20 Russian drones and two cruise missile, uh, missiles were shot down on Thursday. Meantime, a Ukrainian military spokesperson says the country has received the first shipment of cluster munitions following a controversial decision by the United States to provide the weapons. Stephanie Freed reports from Kyiv. This is the third successive night of drone strikes. The first night, 28 were launched, 26 intercepted. The second night, 15 launched, 11 intercepted. And then overnight, 20 that Ukraine says, the military says they intercepted all of them. Um, Damage in Kyiv, several people injured, not quite sure if a person who was killed at the site of one of the drone strikes was killed because of that or something else. Conflicting reports there. But there seems to be a pattern. Uh, There was linkage certainly to the NATO summit with the other drone strikes. But overnight, now it seems like more, again, like a pattern. And also you noted these uh, cruise missiles, the caliber missiles. Ukraine's military also saying that they were launched from the Black Sea onto the city of Mykolaiv. Um, And it's unclear. It seems that they were intercepted as well. So it seems that Ukraine's military, they are pridefully saying that they are, their success rate in interception is quite high. The U.S. pledged as part of an $800 million uh, weapons package to Ukraine. Part of that was the cluster munitions. That was less than a week ago. So for now, the announcement to be forthcoming that the cluster munitions have arrived, very speedy. Why are they controversial? Because they're bomblets that when they drop, they drop as bomblets, they spread out, and it, it's not specific, not precise in targeting. They have often have about a, up to a 40% rate of not exploding, which means later, unsuspecting people may come across them and be harmed or killed. Nonetheless, this, Ukraine says, will give it the advantage right now in the current campaign. That was uh, Stephanie Freed reporting from Kiev. Uh, coming up, the nighttime cycling trend in China.
majestic Rocky Mountains and untamed landscapes, the rugged terrain in northwestern Argentina remained isolated from the rest of the country until the Central Northern Railway breathed new life into the region. The train route quickly became a symbol of national identity for many Argentinians, but its subsequent development hasn't been smooth sailing. Why did the once thriving train route start going downhill? And how will a revitalization project bring back its former glory? Join us this week on Deep Dive, available on your favorite podcast platforms, and take a ride on Argentina's resurgent Belgrano Railway. At 15 minutes past the hour, nighttime cycling is increasingly popular across China. The new trend has driven consumer spending in the sector as enthusiasts invest in specialized equipment for their rides under the stars. Wang Zihang has more. As night falls, an increasing number of people are hopping on their bicycles. The new phenomenon has transformed the streets of Beijing into a dazzling spectacle. 32-year-old Lisa Jia has just begun her nighttime cycling adventures. She describes it as a liberating experience that provides both freedom and a chance to delve into her inner world. Riding at night feels different from riding during the day. It's mostly for commuting during the day. But when I ride at night, it's more about personal focus. I like to set my own goals, like enjoying the nighttime air and feeling relaxed. She also likes the cyclist-friendly environment in Beijing, including bicycle lanes, signals and painted buffer zones. To protect herself while cycling, Jia has bought a range of gear such as breathable clothing, helmets and gloves. Specialized is a well-known cycling brand that focuses on designing and manufacturing bicycles and cycling accessories. A company representative reveals that sales last year reached 90 million yuan, or around 14 million US dollars. Wang Wei notes that in their stores in Beijing, beginners usually spend a whopping 80,000 yuan on a bike and accompanying gear. Cycling can definitely lead to some significant spending. The main expense usually comes from buying cycling equipment and gear, which can be quite pricey. For example, a basic bicycle can cost around 10,000 yuan. If someone has a larger budget, they might choose a high-end and a pricier bike. And the costs go up when purchasing gear and accessories, easily surpassing 120,000 yuan. Wang also says they have established a bicycling club called Qi Yi to connect with customers and cycling enthusiasts. In recent years, we've been organizing more activities because there are more people interested in cycling. The demand has increased, and some people who can't ride during weekends choose to cycle on weekdays instead. Since they work during the day, they prefer riding at night. That's why we organize night rides two or three times a week. As club members engage in more activities, they not only make friends, but also recommend equipment to one another and organize post-ride gatherings for meals and more conversations. This type of consumption driven by outdoor sports hobbies represents a new trend in the Chinese consumer market. Professor Wei Xiang at the Chinese Academy of Social Sciences explains. 
As an activity to explore cities, cycling drives an extensive chain of consumption with subsequent effects, such as the growth of the manufacturing industry. The demand for well-crafted bikes with advanced features motivates the industry to produce more high-quality products, and this particular group of consumers are willing to invest in them. In June, the number of people choosing to ride bicycles at night increased by 30 percent. According to market research firm iMedia Group, Chinese residents have been actively participating in nightlife outdoor sports activities this year, with four out of five people choosing to do so. This has played a significant role in boosting the nighttime economy. For the Beijing Hour, this is Wang Zihang. As more and more people embrace the convenience of e-commerce platforms, the popularity of online shopping during late hours has skyrocketed in China. Zheng Tao has more. With just a few clicks, customers can browse through a vast array of products from various brands and retailers, compare prices and features, and place orders with ease. The growing awareness among consumers about the benefits of online shopping has boosted the shopping fever, particularly during late hours when traditional brick-and-mortar stores may be closed or less accessible. I need to work most of the day. Before I buy anything, I would compare prices and stuff from different stores, which takes up some time. That's why I usually do my shopping at night. I can check out the reviews by other users to see if the items are worth buying. If I'm at a physical store, I can't really know about other customers' shopping experiences. To enhance the shopping experience and encourage customers to stay up late, many e-commerce platforms have introduced innovative features such as round-the-clock customer service, instant delivery options, and personalized product recommendations. Some even offer exclusive deals and discounts especially for nighttime shoppers, further enticing them to stay up late at night. Senior executive Zhang Zhou-Yi with Chinese delivery platform Alama says many small businesses are leveraging the digital marketing channel to reach out to late-night shoppers. After mid-June, as the weather got hotter, the demand for home delivery services went up. The sales data we collected from various sectors on our platform shows a strong surge in orders after 6 p.m., making up the majority of the day's total. The peak hours are between 9 p.m. and 10 p.m. Orders remain quite high before midnight and will start to decline after that. Li Chen often shops at night. She says the rise of live streaming has offered her more convenience. I make most of my purchases in live streaming rooms. The live streamers provide detailed explanations for each item. For example, when it comes to clothing, they even have models showcasing the clothes to potential buyers. Recent statistics reveal that around two-thirds of people tend to stay up late at night to shop online. In the meantime, the online nighttime economy has become more diversified, from ordering takeout food and online shopping to even paying an online teammate to play video games together. For the Beijing Hour, this is Jiang Tao. And coming up, talks in Cairo about the ongoing conflict in Sudan. NATO's plan to set up its first Asia liaison office in Japan is on hold after French President Emmanuel Macron once again voiced his objection. Why is Macron so resolute on this matter? Can he stop the NATO plan? Or is he just performing a Sisyphean task? 
Get the answers to these questions and more on this week's Chat Lounge on all major podcast platforms and CGTN Radio. At 22 minutes past the hour, leaders from Sudan's six neighboring countries have met in Cairo for the most high-profile peace talks since conflict erupted across the northeastern African country in mid-April. Egyptian President Abdel Fattah al-Sisi hosted the meeting and expressed deep concern about the deteriorating humanitarian situation in Sudan. We call upon the international community leaders to intensify efforts in providing necessary humanitarian assistance and address the urgent severe shortage of food and medical supplies in Sudan as a measure which reduces the serious repercussions of the crisis on innocent civilians. The attending leaders represented countries including Ethiopia, South Sudan and Chad. Uh, Sudan's been rocked by violence since uh, April when tensions between the military and the paramilitary rapid support forces burst into open fighting. Data shows the conflicts killed more than 3,000 people and wounded more than 6,000 others. Thursday's meeting in Cairo comes weeks after talks in the Saudi Arabian city of Jeddah broke down after both sides repeatedly failed to stop fighting and violated ceasefire agreements. Those talks were brokered by Saudi Arabia and the United States. The Iranian president's wrapped up a three-nation Africa tour in Zimbabwe. Ibrahim Raisi visited Kenya and Uganda earlier in the week. Uh, Farai Mwakutuya has details from Harare. Iranian President Ibrahim Raisi touched down at the Robert Mugabe International Airport where he was received with full military honors. He later held talks with his Zimbabwean counterpart Emerson Mnangagwa after which the two leaders presided over the signing of multiple agreements in agriculture, telecommunications, higher education, petroleum, oil and gas. Zimbabwe and Iran have a joint permanent commission on cooperation which has exchanged reciprocal visits over the last 12 months. They have laid the groundwork for the 12 MOUs that were signed at State House. The two nations agreed to remain resolute in the face of international isolation. Raisi castigated the West for manipulating emerging information communication technology to do harm instead of advancing humanity and said the technological cooperation with Zimbabwe would be of mutual benefit. I hope that our cooperation, our bilateral cooperation with the Republic of Zimbabwe and our cooperation with African continent, which is the continent of capacities and potentials could help us for advances, for advances of both countries, both nations. Raisi's visit to Africa is the first to the continent by an Iranian leader since 2013. That was Farai Mwakatuya reporting. Thailand's Move Forward Party leader has failed to garner enough votes to become the country's new prime minister. As the only candidate for Thursday's vote, Pita Limjaranrat did not secure enough parliamentary seats. Chawarat Yongjiranon reports from Bangkok. After falling 51 votes short, Move Forward Party leader Pita Limjaranrat fails to secure half of the Thai parliament's votes, resulting in his defeat in his initial bid to become Thailand's next prime minister. With a significant number of senators and MPs either abstaining or not showing up at all, it is clear that conservative forces were unwilling to budge. Nevertheless, Pita remains determined. I accept the results of the vote, but I'm not giving up. I will strategize on how to get more votes in the next session. Analysts expressed no surprise over the result, stating that the MFP was moving too quickly after their initial victory. 
Dr. Jay Tonapvanik explains that the party's lack of support in parliament stems from their failure to achieve a landslide win in the general elections. The MFP's confrontational approach towards senior politicians has also hindered their ability to gain support. In addition, their stance on amending the Les Majesté Law or Section 112 of the Criminal Code regarding defamation of the monarchy has not been well received by conservative lawmakers. Dr. Jed says the party should be more patient and cautious. At the end of the day, the MFP cannot stand on its own, as it relies on its coalition partner, the Putai Party. If Pita fails to gain support once again in parliament, the dynamics of the eight-party coalition may change, potentially enabling the Putai Party, with its three candidates, to assume the prime minister position. That was Charat Yongjiranon reporting from Thailand. Uh, the Indian governments rejected a resolution adopted by the European Parliament over the prolonged violence in India's northeastern state of Manjapur. The Indian External Affairs Ministry describes the resolution as unacceptable, saying that it reflected a colonial mindset. Nearly 150 people have been killed and thousands rendered homeless in violence that's continued in Manipur since May 3rd. The World Health Organization said aspartame, a widely used sweetener, can possibly cause cancer, but it is safe for people to consume within the recommended daily limit. The International Agency for Research on Cancers made an assessment of data on any potential carcinogenic effects of aspartame. The joint FAO and WHO Expert Committee on Food Additives has updated its risk assessment on aspartame. Uh, Experts say occasional consumption of aspartame is most probably not going to be associated to any health risk for most individuals, but children may be more of a concern. Uh, WHO experts have suggested that products containing sweeteners should be moderated. We're at 28 minutes past the hour. Beijing's at 23 degrees overnight. Tomorrow will be sunny with a high of 32. Chongqing's at 20 this evening, then cloudy in 33. Lass is down to 11 overnight, then moderate rainfall in 21 degrees. Hong Kong's at 29 tonight. It'll get showers in 35 tomorrow. Elsewhere, Tokyo's 26 degrees this evening, overcast in 32 on Saturday. Islamabad will see a slight rain in 24 tonight, then some more rain in 34. Uh, Bangkok's at 27, then rain in 37. In Africa, Nairobi's overcast in 24 degrees. And finally to Oceania, Sydney's at 12 this evening, then overcast in 23. Auckland down to 12 degrees, then a slight rain in 16. Port Vila, some rain and 25 degrees Celsius. It's time for a short break. So far this hour, senior Chinese diplomat Wang Yi's been meeting with foreign ministers and other officials at the ASEAN meetings in Jakarta. The cyclists are taking to the streets at night across China as part of a trend that's sweeping the country. In Sudan, six neighboring countries have held talks in Cairo regarding the conflict that's raged since the middle of April. Shane Begum with you. Stay with us here on the Beijing Hour. You're listening to the Beijing Hour. 60 minutes of comprehensive news, your window on China and the world. Examining the events that impact and shape China and the rest of the world. This is the Beijing Hour, one hour of news and information brought to you every weekday. Now here's your host. Shane Begum with you on this Friday, still to come in business. China's central bank gives an update on the country's economy. In sports, the women's final matchup at Wimbledon is all set. In culture and entertainment, CMG launches a show highlighting Chinese folk music. To contact us, you can email beijinghour at cri.com.cn or follow our Twitter account at CGTN Radio. 
Uh, first of all, a check of the day's headline news. The Chinese Foreign Ministry says China and Germany share more consensus than divergence, and collaboration far outweighs rivalry. Spokesperson Wang Wenbin was responding to Germany's new strategy paper that calls for reducing economic dependency on China. He said any form of de-risking would only result in the politicization of normal cooperation. He also said drawing lines based on ideologies would only sow discord in an already divided world. The spokesperson urged Germany to see China's development in a rational and pragmatic way and work together to address global challenges. Meanwhile, the Chinese embassy in Germany said that viewing China as a competitor and systemic rival does not accord with reality, nor does it benefit either side's interests. The International Monetary Fund says it welcomes recent talks between the U.S. and China aimed at patching relations. IMF spokesperson Julie Kozak says the recent economic talks between senior officials of the two countries sends an upbeat signal to the global economy. We welcome the recent meetings between Secretary Yellen and top Chinese officials in Beijing. As we have said before, China, the United States, and other major trading partners should continue to work together to address core issues that risk fragmenting the global trade and investment system. The recent economic talks between the U.S. and China will help forge ties build common ground and foster cooperation in areas that are vital to global investment and growth. Senior Chinese officials held meetings with U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen in Beijing last weekend. The IMF has pointed out that cooperation can lead to big gains in economic well-being globally. China's permanent representative of the UN's accused NATO of exceed or expanding its boundaries and provoking confrontation and slammed the alliance as the real troublemaker. NATO claims to be a regional organization, yet it's breaking its own geographic boundaries to push into the Asia-Pacific, undermining regional and global security. NATO claims to be a defensive alliance, yet it's encouraging members to increase spending, conducting military activities across the globe, overstepping and expanding boundaries, and provoking confrontation. NATO claims to defend rules-based international order, yet it repeatedly violates international laws and basic norms governing international relations. It has a reputation for provoking wars, bombing diplomatic facilities, and killing civilians. Uh, Zhang Jun also said certain NATO members are pursuing double standards in promoting the nuclear sharing agreement, which only exacerbates regional tensions. Russian President Vladimir Putin has said his country will not extend the Black Sea grain deal with Ukraine, which expires next Monday, unless the West meets Russian demands. We may suspend our participation in a deal, and if they say once again that they fulfill the promises given to us, let them fulfill those promises. And then we will immediately rejoin the deal. Putin adds that lifting Western sanctions on the Russian Agricultural Bank to allow it to use the SWIFT payment system was one of the Russian conditions. He says that Moscow also demands lifting restrictions on shipping and insurance that's hampered Russian agricultural exports. Turkey and the UN negotiated the breakthrough accord last summer to ease a global food crisis. The pact came along with a separate agreement on uh, or with Russia to facilitate shipments of its food and fertilizer. However, Moscow uh, complains that the separate UN-Russia Memorandum on Facilitating Shipments of Russian Food and Fertilizer still faces serious obstacles. 
Leaders from Sudan's six neighboring countries have met in Cairo for the most high-profile peace talks since conflict erupted across the northeastern African country in mid-April. Egyptian President Abdel Fattah al-Sisi hosted the meeting and expressed deep concerns about the deteriorating humanitarian situation in Sudan. We call upon the international community leaders to intensify efforts in providing necessary humanitarian assistance and address the urgent severe shortage of food and medical supplies in Sudan as a measure which reduces the serious repercussions of the crisis on innocent civilians. The attending leaders represented countries including Ethiopia, South Sudan and Chad. Sudan's been rocked by violence since April when tensions between the military and the paramilitary rapid support forces burst into open fighting. Data shows the conflicts killed more than 3,000 people and wounded more than 6,000 others. Thailand's Move Forward Party leader has failed to garner enough votes to become the country's new prime minister. As the only candidate for Thursday's vote, Peter Lim Jaranrat did not secure enough parliamentary seats. Authorities continue to search for a homicide suspect who escaped from a northwestern Pennsylvania jail last week. Authorities say 34-year-old Michael Burham fled from uh, the Warren County Prison last week by climbing on exercise equipment to gain access to the roof and then used a rope fashioned from jail bedding to get down. Uh, prior to his escape, Burham had been uh, or Burham rather had been well, held on 1 million US dollars bail and was facing numerous charges including kidnap and burglary. Uh, burglary. Uh, George Bivens of the Pennsylvania State Police Lee says the reward money in the case has increased. I'm also announcing that the U.S. Marshals today increased their reward offering. The combined reward now amounts to up to $22,000 offered by Crime Stoppers and the United States Marshals for information leading to the apprehension of Michael Burham. Uh, state police say more than 200 state, federal, and local law enforcement officers are involved in the manhunt. That was your headline news update. This is Shane Bigham in the Chinese capital. Coming up in business, China's central bank gives an update on the country's economy. The Beijing Hour, your window on China and the rest of the world. In business now, stock markets on the Chinese mainland finish mixed on Friday. Timothy Pope has more. The Shanghai Composite Index ended flat. The blue chip CSI 300 uh, ends the week in even better shape, up nearly 2%. The markets are, of course, uh, waiting for Chinese mainland GDP data, which is uh, expected to be released next week. And we'll uh, give some more clues on the state of the economic recovery, uh, potentially adding to investor hopes of fiscal and monetary stimulus. The PBOC said that it would continue to pull on the monetary policy levers to make sure that there's enough uh, liquidity around to support the recovery. Uh, according to one senior PBOC official, we do expect to see further cuts to uh, mechanisms like the uh, required reserve ratio. Tech stocks were definitely leading gains in Shanghai after the central government's been calling for them to be better supported as growth engines for the economy. We saw software developer New Touch, the top game, adding 20% uh, on Shanghai's star market. That was while uh, the 5G provider China Unicom was another standout performer, gaining 10%. That was market analyst Timothy Pope in Shanghai. In Hong Kong, the Hang Seng Index saw a little bit of an uptick. In Japan, the Nikkei was a little bit below flat. Officials from China's central bank have released an update on financial data in various sectors. Gao Ung has more. At the end of June, outstanding RMB loans stood at over 230 trillion yuan, up 11.3% year on year. 
Officials from the People's Bank of China released details about microeconomic trends and key financial indicators for the first half of 2023, such as broad money supply, RMB loans, and deposits. Overall, China's economy has maintained a stable operation with reasonable and sufficient liquidity. Continuous optimization of the credit structure, a decline in financing costs for the real economy, and continuous strengthening of financial support to the economy. Officials said that in the long-term trend, the economy is shifting towards high-quality development, and now is a good time for economic structural adjustment. They also stressed the importance of financial support for the manufacturing industry. As of the end of June, the balance of medium and long-term loans to the manufacturing industry has increased by 40.3 percent year-on-year. It is expected that the overall trend of the consumer price index for the whole year will follow a U-shaped pattern. The price level will fall first and then rise during the year, and is expected to be close to 1 percent by the end of the year. Officials say the loan structure in the first half of this year has been optimized, and monetary policy tools will continue to play a critical role in supporting infrastructure, private enterprises, tech innovation, and green development. That was Gao Ang reporting. Turkish companies have shown interest in participating in the sixth Chinese International Import Expo. At a promotion event in Istanbul, the Chinese ambassador welcomed local business leaders who stressed the significance of bilateral trade between the two countries. Mihal Bar David reports. Istanbul hosted a promotional event for Turkish companies seeking active participation in the sixth Chinese International Import Expo scheduled to take place in Shanghai in November. Over the past five years, more than a hundred Turkish companies have participated in the previous editions of this distinguished event. The Chinese ambassador to Turkey, Liu Xiaobin, gave the opening speech of the event and stated that, "quote." China will expand its scope of foreign investment and improve foreign investment promotion services. It will provide new investment opportunities worldwide. In 2022, the trade volume between China and Turkey reached nearly 45 billion dollars. But Ambassador Xiaobin stressed that Turkey and China can further expand the scope of cooperation between the two sides in areas such as food and new energy. During his speech, Korhan Kurdolu, chairman of the Chinese Council of Foreign Economic Relations Board of Turkey, emphasized the benefits of participating in the China International Import Expo, including gaining market insights and staying updated on the latest products, technologies, and consumer trends to enhance strategic adaptation. The Turkish companies intending to participate in the sixth Chinese International Import Expo this year represent a diverse range of industries spanning from food and tourism to electronics and textiles. Their collective aim is to enhance their export potential to China. That was、uh, Mihal Bar David reporting. A Swiss parliamentary investigation into the role played by state institutions in the collapse and emergency rescue of Credit Suisse will take 12 to 15 months to complete. UBS agreed to buy Credit Suisse for 3 billion Swiss francs, or roughly 3.5 billion U.S. dollars, in March after panicked customers withdrew cash from their accounts at the stricken lender. The investigation is only the fifth of its kind in the country's modern history, and the committee of lawmakers conducting it has sweeping powers to call on the Swiss cabinet, finance ministry, and Other state bodies.
Australia has appointed the first female head of its central bank amid a public backlash over steeply rising interest rates. Australian Treasurer Jim Chalmers announced Michelle Bullock would lead the Reserve Bank of Australia for the next seven years, having chosen not to reappoint Governor Philip Lowe for a second term. Chalmers said it was not out of the norm for a governor to only serve one term and that he felt Bullock was best placed to lead the RBA through a coming reorganization. Lowe will leave on September 17th, marking the end of his 43-year career at the bank. Bangladesh has inaugurated the China-funded Dasharkandi sewage treatment plant. The large-scale modern sewage treatment facility is the first of its kind in the country. Inner Mongolia Autonomous Region, known for its vast grasslands covering over 70% of its land area, has gained popularity for its thriving dairy industry. In recent years, the region's been actively exploring opportunities to promote industrial tourism centered around its dairy sector. Juju reports. Hohart in Inner Mongolia topped China's milk production and processing capacity rankings. Thanks to this, it has become a magnet for travelers seeking unique experiences along dairy-themed routes. So today we are visiting Yili's modern smart health valley. It is a great example of how Inner Mongolia develops its tourism sector around its prosperous dairy industry. Yili, a prominent dairy product provider in China and one of the world's top 10 milk providers, has embraced innovation to establish a smart tourism system. By leveraging advanced technologies such as virtual reality and extended reality, Yili Valley became a trailblazer in the integration of technology and tourism within the dairy industry. Recently, the city also invited 45 multinational companies from countries such as the US, UK and France to visit as part of its efforts to attract foreign investment. We hope the companies will concentrate their investment here so that Inner Mongolia could enhance the utilization of foreign investment and further expand the high level opening up. Inner Mongolia is competitive to attract foreign investment because of its unique geographical location, abundant resources and rich endowment, as well as advantages and distinctive industries. More zero clean technologies will be applied at these industrial parks. We are making significant efforts to promote the high-end, intelligent and green development of the manufacturing industry. We are also constructing low-carbon and zero-carbon parks actively and promoting emerging service sectors such as tourism and logistics. The region's commitment to boost its tourism industry has paid off, with the local government reporting a fourfold increase in tourism revenue in the first quarter of this year. As visitor numbers continue to rise, the city is looking to design more innovative dairy-themed routes to further stimulate local tourism. That was Juju reporting. You're listening to the Beijing Hour. and Coming up in sports, the women's final matchup at Wimbledon is all set. Competition is in the final stretch at Wimbledon, but there's debate on and off the courts over some controversial plays. Was a point penalty unfair for throwing a racket? How were players affected by a curfew and rain-suspended matches? Listen to this week's Sideline Story episode. Find us on your favorite podcast apps.
46 minutes past the hour. And turning to sports now, here's Yang Guang. Thank you, Shane. In tennis, Ansh Jibet has once again reached the Wimbledon Women's Singles Final after last year's loss in the showdown. The sixth seed overcame the brutal hitting of Arena Sabalenka, coming from a set down to win a thrilling match. I'm learning to transform the, the, the bad energy into a good one. So the, the anger that I had from the first set, I, uh, I tried to stay focused. You know, some, some things I have no control over. You know, uh, she can ace any time. She can hit a big serve even if I have a break point. And, and that's frustrating a bit. But uh, I'm glad that I'm uh, accepting it I'm, and um, digging deep, you know, to, to just go and win this match and, and hopefully this tournament. In her third Grand Slam final, Jaber will be bidding to become the first African woman as well as the first Arab to win a major. She's the first woman to defeat three top 10 opponents at Wimbledon since Serena Williams in 2012. Hans Jaber will face Marketa von Drusova in the final after the Czech player ended the remarkable run of Ilina Svitlina with a straight sets victory. Von Drusova now stands on the cusp of becoming the first unseeded woman to lift the trophy. I was nervous the, actually the whole match, you know, because uh, yeah, I was leading, you know, 4-0 in, in a second set and she came back, so uh, she broke me twice, so, you know, you just stay, you just have to stay focused, you know, and uh, yeah, just, you know, try to fight for, for every game. Earlier in the day, China's Xu Yifan and her partner Yuren Willigan failed at the last hurdle in the mixed doubles as they lost in the final to lead Mila Kichenok and Mati Pavic. Team China beat Brazil 3-1 to reach the Volleyball Women's Nations League semi-final. China displayed an impressive defense performance, making 15 blocks in an intense game. Captain Yuan Xingyue alone recorded 7 blocks, while Li Yingying, the 23-year-old outside hitter, topped the Chinese team with 16 points. China next faces top seed Poland in the semi-final, while host country the United States meets Turkey. In cycling, Ion Izagiri gave his Cofidis team their second victory at this year's Tour de France when he won the 12th stage after a late brutal attack. The Spanish rider went solo in the last short climb of the day, 30 kilometers from the finish, and never looked back to claim a second career Tour stage win. Yeah, it's really been an incredible tour for us. We came with the aim of winning a stage and making the top 10. And now look, we have got two wins. Matime Guillaume is also having an incredible tour, and we hope to stay on this path. Defending champion Yunus Vingigal still holds the overall leader's yellow jersey and leads Tadej Pogacar by 17 seconds. A sports frenzy is sweeping rural China. Games hosted at villages in Guizhou, Zhejiang and Hainan have attracted spectators from across the country. Over the past month, Li Jiamin traveled across China, capturing exciting moments and finding out the reason behind the sensation. My first stop is Rongjiang County in mountainous Guizhou province. Football games among local villagers have attracted visitors from far and near. But the game itself seems not to be the biggest attraction. What do you come here for? Do you come here for soccer or do you come here for the atmosphere? Atmosphere, yo, it's great. Like, it's crazy. Everyone, hey! There are so many people. This is so high. I like it so much. <laughs> the spirit of this game guided my way. I will go wherever it leads me. Ethnic performances, local snacks, and volunteers handing out drinking water for free. It is easy to be touched and inspired by the hospitality. 
80% of local residents are ethnic minorities here. Their bond is deep, and even deeper when sports unite them. For outsiders like me, it is hard to understand local dialect. Football is the common language that transcends all ethnicities. In the wealthy county of Zhuji in eastern China's Zhejiang province, the basketball games among villagers take on a whole different look. Its final is being held in a professional stadium that was used to accommodate the all-star games of the Chinese Basketball Association. Among these highly industrialized villages, their words are also about entrepreneurship. Besides the copper medals decorated with pearls, both are aces of local industry. Basketball here is more than a sport, it is more of a spirit and legacy. In China's southern Hainan island, local villagers do not like to wear shoes while playing volleyball. Affection for this game seems to be universal, no matter who you are or what is your profession. Seizing the opportunity and hard-earned publicity, local authorities here began to scale up the matches to a championship level. It has an adorable slogan, Haven't seen you for a while, so let's meet on the pitch. That was Li Jiamin on the sports media across rural China. Rugby championship action this weekend features some exciting matchups, including an encounter between the two most successful teams in history. Brandon Gates has a preview. First up, we have New Zealand versus South Africa, and both sides kicked off their tournament campaigns with massive wins in their first games. The Springboks will have the physicality and skill set to deal with the All Blacks' flair in Auckland, but it may come down to kicks to determine the winner, so I think New Zealand may edge a tight game. And finally, Australia play Argentina, and they both desperately need a bonus point win to keep their title hopes alive. I think Australia have more depth and are playing at home, so they are my favourites to win this game. That was Brandon Yates on the Rugby Championship this weekend. And finally, in boxing, Alexander Usyk and Daniel Dubois are looking ahead to their world heavyweight title fight with the Ukrainian boxer aiming to successfully defend his WBO, WBA and IBF titles against his British opponent in Poland next month. Usyk, who has won all 20 of his fights and will make a second defense of his unified title, was in playful mood and revealed he feels excited about the battle. I'm very happy to all uh, people. Thank you so much, but I'm very hungry. I'm very, very hungry. Du Bois, du Bois is the mandatory challenger to Usyk before a potential unification bout against WBC champion Tyson Fury. Thank you very much. That was Yang Guang with Sports. Uh, this is the Beijing Hour, and coming up in culture, CMG launches a show highlighting Chinese folk music. Looking for the hottest trends in China? Craving captivating podcasts and stories from our reporters? Get in the know and follow CGTN Radio on Twitter and stay informed. 54 past the hour now. China Media Group has launched a new series featuring Chinese folk music. The program mainly involves uh, music competitions and reality shows. aims to present creative ideas from young musicians regarding traditional Chinese culture. The show is set in Zhuquan County, Shanxi Province, considered the home of Chinese folk culture. Meantime, CMG's multimedia platforms, Young Shipin and CCTV.com, have jointly initiated a campaign inviting internet users to sing traditional songs and tell the stories of their hometowns. 
From a town in northeast China, Zhang Jinhao has become a principal solo dancer with the Bavarian National Ballet in Germany. His journey's taken him around the world one ballet point at a time. Natalie Carney went to meet him on and off stage in Munich. At the age of four in the northern Chinese port city of Dalian, Jinhao's mother wanted to put him in Kung Fu, but the class was full, so he was taken to the next room where ballet was being taught. The student looked the same like the Kung Fu class, right? I was like, okay, yeah, I'm gonna do this. And then actually when we joined the class, it was like 20 girls, I'm the only boy in the class. He went on to attend the Liaoning Ballet School in Shenyang and then Tongji University in Shanghai, during this time, he won a scholarship from the Prix de Lausanne in 2013, which took him to the National Ballet School in London and convinced him that ballet was his calling. When I went on this competition, you have this opportunity, huge opportunity, like you can go outside your country to see outside world and to see how they train the dancers, how they like appreciate the dance, how they react. Uh, it just like open your mind. Jin Hao then spent four years dancing with the English National Ballet before moving to Munich, Germany to join the Bayerische Staatsballet. With 59 dancers from 24 different countries performing a rich repertoire of classical and modern ballet, Jin Hao feels right at home. I like to work with Jin because it's totally open and he's absolutely ready to have this possibility to explore different side of even of our personality of the you know just you learn about you and I think he's very open for that so it's a pleasure to work with him. He quickly rose to become a soloist dancing with some of the most promising international young talents such as Austrian principal dancer Priska Zeisel. I would say it's great fun working with him. We have a really good partnership on stage because we always make sure like to lift the story and get the characters right. I feel very safe in his arms whenever I dance with him. Jin Hao is also inspired by the idea of bridging cultures through dance. I'm always looking for opportunity to have a collaboration with China side to do uh, a performance show around in China. Also to like bring more international ballet dancer back to China to have collaboration with mixed with traditional Chinese dance and then the same time represent to Chinese audience. Jin Hao is also working with other male ballet dancers to try and tear apart stereotypes and inspire the next generation. That was Natalie Carney and a Chinese ballet dancer in Germany. Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling lit up the pink carpet in central London at the premiere of the comedy Barbie. This is the best day ever. It is Live-action movie follows stereotypical Barbie in Barbieland. After a strange series of events, Barbie has an existential crisis and decides to go to the real world in an attempt to restore order in hers. Uh, Simu Liu, who plays uh, one of the many different versions of Ken, says that he was bowled over once he moved on to the movie sets. The first day that I stepped onto the Barbieland set, it was really jarring. I'd never seen that much pink in my entire life. But it's, it's so funny, it's like stepping into like a big amusement park of cotton candy and it just like something about the colors, it just really makes you feel almost like kid-like. An impressive list of recording artists contributed to the film's soundtrack, including Dua Lipa, Nicki Minaj and Billie Eilish. Barbie opens globally on July 21st, including here in China. 
58 past the hour in Beijing's at 23. Overnight tomorrow, sunny in 32 degrees. Chongqing's at 20 this evening. Saturday has clouds in 33. Last is down to 11. Then moderate rainfall in 21. Hong Kong's at 29 this evening. Then showers in 35. Elsewhere, Tokyo's 26 this evening. It's overcast in 32 on Saturday. Islamabad will see a slight rain in 24 this evening. Then uh, more rain in 34. Bangkok's down to 27 degrees. Then a light rainfall in 37. In Africa, Nairobi's getting overcast conditions in 24. Four degrees. And that's it for this edition of the Beijing Hour. Making news today, senior Chinese diplomat Wang Yi has been meeting with foreign ministers and other officials at the ASEAN meetings in Jakarta. On behalf of the staff, this is Shane Bigham in the Chinese capital, hoping you'll join us for the next edition of the Beijing Hour and open a window to the world together. <laughs>